This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So Paul here in talking to Timothy has words to say to Timothy, but he's also talking about himself. And in the process, he talks about who he was before he came to Christ. And he talks about who he is in Christ. And then he reminds us of who God is. And then there's this warning about the possibility of losing sight of all that and crashing and burning. Notice where Paul said, I was formerly, in verse 13, I was formerly a blasphemer. He was someone who spoke out against God. Now, for Paul, a a devout Jew, he never intentionally was speaking against God, but he didn't realize that Jesus was God. And as a result of that, when he was speaking against Jesus, he discovered that he was speaking against God. That was a sin that he thought he would never do, to blaspheme God. But then he says, I was a persecutor. His job was to go and and try to crush Christianity out of the world. He didn't realize when he was persecuting Christians that he was persecuting God himself. Remember when he was there on the road to Damascus and a voice came out of heaven and Jesus said to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, he didn't think he was persecuting Jesus. He was just persecuting people who were following Jesus and little did he know that Jesus was the Lord of heaven. Jesus was the God who he had been trying to serve and yet Paul was aware of the fact that I... I was a persecutor, not just of people, but of the Lord of heaven. He also says, I was an insolent man. An insolent man is someone who just gets angry and erupts in a mean and destructive sort of way. And Paul, no doubt, is a guy who was trying to be good. A Pharisee is someone who would restrict his whole life. He, he couldn't do anything fun. He couldn't do anything for the purpose of pleasure. It was all about trying to be as good as he could possibly be. And yet, in the process of that, all the frustrations of life and everything kind of build up inside you. And when you find what you think is a legitimate outlet for frustration and anger... What happens next is it all comes gushing out at that target, and and that's what it was. Paul, this good guy, when he would turn on a Christian and as he was getting it out of his system, this ugly explosiveness would come gushing forth from his life, and he realized, yeah, I, I was something that I didn't even like myself deep down inside. I allowed this cause that I had to turn me into someone who was just just gushing garbage from my life and anger and taking it all out on on someone else. But he says, I obtained mercy. And yet, as he goes on down, he says, down in verse 15, when he talks about what Jesus Christ did as he came into the world to save sinners, he said, of whom I am chief. 
Paul remembered who he was. And yet, he put it into the present and said, I am chief of sinners. Not, boy, if you saw the way I used to be, I was a really horrible person and that's not me anymore. Paul didn't forget what he had done because what he had done was an important part of who he had become. You can't really talk about the work that God does in your life except in reference to where you started. And so Paul kept and, and, and was willing to own all of what he had done before. He wasn't someone who said, don't bring up the past, brother. You know, that's all at the bottom of the sea. That's all under the blood. That's all. No, he was someone who was still aware of who he had been. And he, and he said, I still own that. That was really me. I understand that. That potential is still inside me. That possibility for that kind of deception and everything is, is still a part of who I am. You know, in, in Philippians, Paul said, forgetting what lies behind. And often when we see that, we think of, you know, okay, so let's not think about the past anymore. But in that context, when Paul says forgetting what lies behind, he gives a whole list of what he says to forget. So it isn't that we just let go of whatever we were. We have to take what we, what we were and own it and realize that that's the context in which God has worked in our lives. I think a lot of people don't want to face what they used to be because they want to pretend like that was almost a different person. And that's a dangerous thing to do because if I don't remember what I was saved from, then I lose a sense of even the greatness of my salvation. And I also get a distorted image of what, I'm, what I can potentially be. The truth is, what I was is something that, in a sense, I still am. Now, there's a lot of controversy among people um, in the area of addictions as to whether you should say, I am an alcoholic or I was an alcoholic. And I, I can't solve that puzzle. I don't know. But the one thing that I know that's healthy is for people who have struggled in an area to remember that that is all me. That's the potential that I have. That's something that I own and, and relate to because to, as, as people have said, to forget history is to be doomed to repeat it. And so Paul wasn't one who forgot what he was capable of. It also helps us to relate to people who are currently trapped in the same kinds of lifestyles that God delivered us from. See, if I start forgetting what it felt like to be a heathen, then I start losing not only my capacity to relate to heathens, but I even start to lose my concern for them because I don't see myself in them. Oh, I might feel sorry for them, but I'm more prone to blame them, to think I'm superior to them, to think that if they were as smart as I was, they would have gotten over what it is that I got over, almost as if I go, you know, yeah, I used to be like you when I was stupid, but I wised up what's your problem. And, and a lot of times, even when we're trying to minister to people, we come off in a way that's like, I'm superior to you. But remembering who you were and owning that and going, that's still me. That was me that did that. 
is to help us to, in, in some sense, continue in the, the ministry that God has for us to share the news of what he wants to do for others. It connects us with a world that we're called to, to help and to, to bring the message of the gospel to. And so for a whole lot of reasons, it's really important that we don't forget our past. And Paul didn't forget his. He, he used it. It connected him to everyone else. But also, Paul doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just go, I'm the chief of sinners, I'm pathetic, I'm awful, I'm a blasphemer. But he remembered also who he is in Jesus Christ. And so, he says in verse 12, he has enabled me. Oh, maybe I don't feel able, but I am able because he says I'm able. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he says so. His calling is his ability, and Paul says, he enabled me. And so anybody else can question my ability, but God is the one who says that I'm able. And so Paul remembered that. Paul remembered that he counted me faithful. Now, how did God count Paul faithful? Uh, Was it because Paul proved himself? Because he established a track record? Because he showed that he could be faithful? Not at all. He was faithful because God gave him a gift of faith. Remember in Ephesians 2, we saw where he says, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone would boast. So often we think that our faithfulness makes us someone, whereas in reality our faith is simply a gift that comes from God. We see that here in Verse 14, where he says, The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Because I'm in Christ Jesus, I'm not only able, but I'm faithful. And he says, You are faithful enough because of what I have done that I have a purpose for your life. I have things I want to do through your life. So he countered me faithful. And then in verse 12, he put me into the ministry. Paul knew that God had called him to ministry and placed him in ministry. Now, ministry is something that every Christian has been put into. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were put into the ministry. Everyone's called to different ministries, but everyone has been placed in ministry as a member of the body. We just studied through the book of Ephesians, and I hope you got that point as we studied Ephesians that we've all been put in the ministry. God looks at each one of us who are Christians, and he says, I am placing you in a position where I want to use you to minister to others. If you went through Ephesians with us and you didn't get that, um, go get the CDs and listen to them again. In fact, don't buy them. You can have them for free. Listen to those studies and go, okay, what happened? Now, but once that happens, sometimes we have a sense of God putting us into ministry. We, we have this sense of God calling us to do certain things for him. But along the line, we forget about that. Even when we're in the middle of it, we forget that it was God who put us into ministry. Sometimes we try to put ourselves into ministry because there are certain things that we want to do, but it's God who does it, and we can't forget that. And sometimes when we're trying to minister, it's frustrating. It's not going the way that we want it to. 
And, and we give up and we let go and we stop doing what God is calling us to do because we begin to question. But the real thing is, has God put you in ministry? The answer, if you're his child, yes, he has. The specific ministry, well, sometimes you have to work that out. But Paul knew not only that he was put into ministry, God had shown him what his ministry was, and he never lost sight of that. He hung on to that, he remembered it, and he wanted young Timothy to remember that too, and, and so was reminding him of it constantly. Paul knew who he was. He was a minister of Jesus Christ, and he understood it came from grace, that exceedingly abundant grace. And then in verses 15 and 16, he says, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Paul understood that his purpose in being here was to be a demonstrator of God's grace. It was so that God could take him and say, look at Paul, look what I've done. Look at the changes that I've worked in his life. Look how patient I've been with him. See all that I have done. And, and Paul had this great sense. Again, he knew who he was, but he knew who he is. And he understood that God wanted to use him. And I wonder if we, each of us, has that same sense that God saved us for a reason. You know, God did not draw you to himself just so that he could rescue you and take you to heaven. If that was all it was about, he would have done that. And you'd, you know, you'd go, okay, yeah, I'll accept Jesus. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. And poof, you'd disappear and you'd be in heaven. You'd be done. Not sure how many people would go forward if that was the case, but it's more than that. Because as he says here, for this reason, I obtained mercy. Now, you can put yourself in that picture, too. Here is why God showed mercy to you. And the reason is because he wants to use you to show and to be a pattern of the love that he has for others. You were saved for one reason, and that is so that God could, through you, reach others. Do you understand that there are people who are on their way to hell and God wants to use you to bring them to the point where they can instead go to heaven? He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. But not everyone's going to come to a harvest crusade. Not everyone's going to come into a church. And so God sends all of us out. And he says, there are people in your life that I want to save through you. There are people you haven't even met yet that you're going to meet simply so that you can be an example to them of what the grace of God can do, that's a powerful calling. That's an important function. It's really the only important function that there is in this world. And that's the calling that God has on each of our lives. And so Paul says, I know where I came from, and I still own that. I also understand, wow, where I am what he has called me to do, the, the ministry that he has for me, the way he wants to use me, it's amazing. And then 
in the midst of all that, as he has this little what sounds like you'd read it off a poster, in verse 7, he's saying also, remember who God is. Remember who you were. Remember who you are. But what about God? He is everything that you're not. He's the king. You're not. He is. He's eternal. You're disposable. Many of us are reaching our our uh, expiration dates very rapidly. Some of us are already soured in the in the jar, but 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 God is but God's eternal. And the only thing that we do that's going to last is what we do for him. What we do as an individual, it's it goes away really quickly. He's eternal. He's immortal. We're dying. He's invisible. You can't see what he's doing. Unfortunately, people can see what we're doing. And, but what he is doing, we can't see. But we know him, and we know that he's doing even what we can't see. To God who alone is wise. Do you believe that? Then why do we spend so much time trying to figure things out? Proverbs says, lean not on your own understanding. We think that if we think hard enough, we're going to figure things out. So we lay awake at night trying to solve problems. God alone is wise. You know, there are people who are a lot smarter than you. It's not because they spend more time worrying than you do, believe me. Either know it or you don't. But what I know and what I am really doesn't matter because I know that he is wise. I know he has all the answers and he'll tell me what I need to know. I don't need to know what I don't know, what he doesn't reveal to me. All I'll do is stress myself out if I try to be smarter than I am. You know, I'll be like Curly of the Three Stooges when he said, I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. You know, (laughs) God alone is wise. And he says, and to him be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. It's all about his honor and his glory. It's not about me. It's not about my glory. It's not about what people think of me. And now you may go, man, this is like making me schizophrenic. First, you're going, remember what a failure you are. And then you're going, oh, but God has called you to this great purpose and great calling. But then it's all about God, and it's not about you. And I'm going, wait a minute. How, How does this all work? Well, God wants to take the pressure off you by making sure that you understand it's not about you. When you focus on you, you'll end up being frustrated, embarrassed, and shamed, and in every other way, it's just, it's too much pressure for you. It's like yesterday, I started thinking, man, I haven't cut my hair for a long time, and I'm looking really you know, bad, so um, I went to cut my hair, but my thing was broken, so I went and bought this new deal for cutting my hair. It looked like it was really easy. It's curved and has this thing, and you just buzz it over your head, and you're done. And, um, but you know, I didn't read the instructions. And so instead of having the adjustable height comb on there, I had the one that says bald. I, I found this later when I was reading the instructions after I ruined my hair. But so I've hit my hair once, and I'm like, uh-oh, something's really wrong here. But, you know, I did it. I finished it best I could. It's still, my brother told me this morning, now there's still like a weird patch in back and everything. But I can't see the back. But, and I thought... Why do I have to do this right before I get up in front of all these people at church? 
And then I had this great liberating thought that, you know what, in all the years that I've been a pastor and for every person who's here, there has never, ever been one person who comes to this church because of how good I look. And, but then the devil goes, yeah, but you could chase people away by how stupid you look. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But really, it was like, it was a freeing thing to realize, you know what, my hair looks stupid, so what? You know, it's still, it's God's word that, that really matters. It's him that has the power. And so, you know, Paul is stressing that, understand who he is. It'll take the pressure off you. Now, what about these last three verses? He says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the warfare. He goes, Timothy, I want you to remember what was said when you were put in the ministry. I want you to remember those things that God had revealed to others about the plans that he had for you. So he goes, okay, look, Timothy, I know who I was. I know who I am. I know who God is and whom I'm not. But Timothy, you need to think about who you are and remember who you are too. Why? Because if you have a good faith and a good conscience, there are others who have rejected that. Concerning the faith, they've suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. He goes, Timothy, if you can forget who you are, really who you are, there's a danger to that. And I'll give you a couple of examples, Hymenaeus and Alexander. Now, these were two guys who, somewhere along the way, I mean, they were serving God, they were walking with God, but somehow they lost sight of who they were, the nature of the ministry that God had called them to. They lost that good conscience. They, they rejected that faith. We don't know a lot about them. They're mentioned over in 2 Timothy, and I think it's in chapter 2, Hymenaeus is mentioned as a guy who was now teaching, uh, you know, denying the resurrection and saying that the rapture had already come and stuff and, and was leading people away in that way. Alexander is probably the same guy Paul's talking about in 2 Timothy 4 where he says he's done me much harm. Alexander was a guy who turned on Paul and damaged him in some way by, by saying bad, hurtful things about him. And he warned Timothy there in 2 Timothy, be careful of that guy. He, he has done you damage. What happened to these two guys? Well, Paul says, I delivered them to Satan. In other words, I gave up on them and just said, you know what? If that's the way they want to go, if that's what they want to do, I'll let them do it. Because what I want to see is for them to learn not to blaspheme. Interesting, these are two guys who once were, and probably in their minds, they thought they were right. And they thought they were still serving God. But, you know, they, I mean, Hymenaeus thought he discovered some new ideas and some new theology. And he was trying to share that with people. He probably believed it. Alexander was a guy who probably just thought, you know, Paul... He was, he's an old school guy and, you know, he was okay in his day, but let's face it, he's, he's had his better years and, you know, it's time to let the young people take over and get rid of this guy and, and, and took some shots at Paul and hurt him. But Paul says they're blaspheming. Now, this is weird. See the connection? Paul said, I know where I came from. I was a blasphemer. 
And I've seen what's happened to these guys, and now what they're doing is blaspheming. Their life has spiraled, crashed and burned, shipwrecked to the point where they went from being in a good place to where they ended up in a really bad place. And how does that happen? How does it happen to any of us? We forget who we are. With some people, they just forget what they're capable of. They don't think it could ever happen to them again. For others, they just begin to think they're superior to other people. They begin to give up on the call of God on their life. They forget that there are people who are watching you, and they're going to either decide to follow Jesus or not based on how you live out your example of your faith. Shipwrecks in lives are horrible to see, and unfortunately, we see them all the time. And, and they're visible often. You know, the ones that we remember sometimes are, you know, you see somebody who's a minister, and then they go and do something totally stupid and trash their life and absolutely destroy it. And you think, did you forget that you're representing God? Did you forget that people's eternity is at stake in whether or not you live the life that he's called you to live? Somehow they forget it, but it's not that unusual because there are politicians who do totally stupid things. It's like, did you forget you're the president of the United States? Did you, did you forget that you're a congressman when you're sitting in a public restroom and trying to you know, come on to the guy in the next stall? Are, aren't you thinking that that's going to make the news somehow? Or you're some huge celebrity and there you are in a park restroom doing something. What are you thinking? How's this happening? And yet for every one of us, the potential for us to crash and burn is that close to us if we forget who we are. If we lose sight of either our potential as losers or the glorious gospel of grace that then has delivered us and enabled us and made it possible for us to represent Jesus Christ. And if we stop thinking about the fact that people are watching me, and that's my job, to let people watch me and check me out and go, wow, God really does love me. But if we forget that, we're just that close from devastating everything that we could be and trashing our life. And for every person who does that, there's a hundred other people who are about to do it. And it starts with this, I forget who I am. I lose sight of not only my downside potential, but my upside calling. And when we do that, we are risking trashing everything that matters to us. Paul talked about, I did what I did because it was in ignorance and unbelief. I didn't know what I was doing. The implication is, but now you know better. Now you can do so much better. You've, God has revealed things to you. You ought to live on a higher plane at this point. But do you understand how easy it is if you lose sight of that to get stupid again? Look at people who, they have a, a, a beautiful family, a, a spouse that loves them, children who love them, a community that respects them, and how it, it, 
somehow they just decide to trash all of that. And it's always, there's a calculation that's involved, but never very well, because everyone you've ever known who does that kind of thing trades down. Everyone that you know who does that thing trades away something so much more valuable than anything that they could even potentially have. And the devil knows that. He knows that if he can catch us in our stupidity, he can take you down. And he doesn't need a supermodel to do it. He can have some skanky, weird, loser person come and destroy your life. And, and that's how he does it. Because somehow you give yourself over to amnesia and you just decide, I forget what I used to be before God got a hold of my life. And I forget the glorious calling that he has on my life. And the next thing I know, boom, I'm shipwrecked. I'm crashed, I'm burned. And Paul's heart for young Timothy is, man, you've seen examples. You are an example. Don't let your life get trashed. Fight this good fight. Resist this temptation to space out, to zone out, and to trade away everything that God has for you. Now, you might be here going, yeah, this is all good now, but I've already shipwrecked. I've already crashed. What do I do now? I can't have that back. I can't start over. Yeah, you can. What did Paul say about Hymenius and Alexander? I gave them over to Satan so that they would figure out I don't want to live this way. So that they would learn not to blaspheme. It's not too late for any of us to start over today and to receive that calling once again on our lives. To allow God to deliver us and to work in our lives. The only bad news is if you decide to continue to forget who you are, then you will continue to trash your life and the lives of people around you. So remember, wake up for every one of us. Let's not forget or downplay our downside potential, but let's also not forget that glorious upside potential that comes because of the glorious grace of God the fact that he forgives us and lets us start over anytime we want. Oh, the damage can be devastating, but his grace is always sufficient, and he loves us, and he has a way better plan for our lives than we could ever come up with on our own. But don't get so tired or hungry or lonely or whatever that you just go, forget it. I forget who I am. I just, you know, I give up. Around you, you'll see tons of examples of those kind of shipwrecks. But you don't have to do that. And we don't have to live that way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and for this timely warning. We, we, when we read a scripture like this, we think of others who have been shipwrecked. But we realize your timing is perfect. And so perhaps some of us are about ready to crash. And we don't realize it. It's just we've gotten tired and we've kind of quit paying attention to what you've done in our lives. God, remind us today, please. Help us to remember who we are because of Jesus. And help us to live lives that are appropriate to that. Help us to continue to know that people are watching and people can be saved by what they see in us. Lord, for anyone here today who's already crashed, help them to know that it's just 
one decision to repent away from getting back on track to being restored by you. I thank you for your grace, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.